Blog Talk Radio. of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Carter, are you with us? Yes, we are. We are here, and uh, uh, I, I'm at work, as per usual, on Thursday nights, but uh, we're here. And uh, listen, real quick, Mike, uh, before, we go, uh, before we go too far into the show, uh, Pure Country uh, just won her uh, division of the Matron in 150-2 and two at, uh, at Dover Downs. All right, so congratulations to Pure Country, of course, Matron. Uh, thanks action going on at Dover Downs uh, tonight, and we'll try to keep you up to date on the happenings over there. But we've got a big, big show for you coming up in just a few minutes. Hall of Famer Jerry Connors will be joining us. Uh, Jerry's uh, just got in, uh, inducted in the Hall of Fame in the uh, communications corner division. Very, very established writer, just a fantastic individual, and he is live at the Harrisburg sale, and he's going to tell us what's going on, give us an update, if you will. A lot of money being spent at the Harrisburg sale. So we'll hear from Jerry and we'll get the update on what's going on in the Pennsylvania state Capitol. Plus uh, track announcer, Peter Galassi is going to be joining us towards the bottom of the hour. And Mike Carter, I know that you're not really from the Chicagoland area, but a couple of days ago, one of the legendary track announcers, not only in the city of Chicago and Illinois, but uh, of course, uh, across the country, Phil George F passed away uh, at 85, and uh, we've got a nice little montage that we're going to run before we talk to Pete. Pete Galassi, of course, uh, right now is the uh, voice of Chicago Racing. And uh, I got to tell you, Mike, uh, Phil George F. growing up in that area, Phil George F. was a big, big influence on me and my race calling growing up. Yeah, Phil George F. Uh, was a influence to a lot of people, Mike Brozich. And, you know, it's interesting because even Tom Durkin said he idolized the great Phil George F. And so, uh, you know, it's sad that we've lost another, uh, another one of our brothers, so to speak. Yeah, certainly. Uh, and speaking of that, another 
uh, death in the harness racing world, a longtime boss of mine, a longtime director of District 2 of the U.S. Trotting Association, Ken Marshall, uh, was the director of operations at Hazel Park. Of course, they no longer run uh, race harness, they're thoroughbreds, but uh, Kenny Marshall, uh, one of uh, the biggest influences in my racing career, period, uh, tragically passed away just a few short days ago. So uh, we'll talk to Kenny maybe next week. Uh, we'll put something together for him. But Gabe Pruitt's going to be joining us. Gabe, of course, is the track announcer at Pompano Park. It's our ongoing series with Pompano Park. It's our ongoing series with the VIP Stables. So we will be joined by Ed O'Connor as well. Plus, Mike, we have a huge announcement. And it has nothing to do with the presidential election, which, by the way, was the biggest upset <laughs> besides the Chicago Cubs winning the World Series. However, we've got I don't got want to hear about the Cubs, okay? <laughs> or the presidential election. We've got a huge announcement coming up uh, towards about the 7.35, 7.40 mark. Maybe, uh, well, we don't want to tip the time off because we want you to stick around, but don't miss it. It's a huge announcement, Mike. Yeah, it involves our award show, and uh, don't forget you have just six days. Next Wednesday at midnight, we shut down the uh, content or the uh, nominations page, so you've got six more days to get your nominations in, Mike Bozich. That's right. Just uh, check our website, posttimewithmikeandmike.com, and uh, click the link right on there, and it's very self-explanatory. So that big announcement's coming up towards the bottom of the hour. When we come back, we're going to find out what's going on at the Harrisburg sale. We've got the one and only, the Hall of Famer, Jerry Connors, joining us on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Hey, I'm Chantel Sutherland-Cruz, and want to tell you all about BetAmerica.com. It's the coolest place to bet on horse racing on over 200 racetracks from America and around the world. New players receive a 100% bonus on your first deposit, up to $300. That's the best sign-up bonus available today. It's time to play the Bet America way. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard breads the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations. Racehorse Adoption Program. on post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich along with Mike Carter right now we're joined by the Hall of Famer Jerry Connors. Uh, Jerry you are at the Harrisburg sale and from everything that I have heard it is certainly uh, a lot healthier met with a lot more optimism than it was last year. 
Last year, you have to remember that government came out the Monday morning of the beginning of the sale and said, we're not quite sure where we're going to get all the money for the purses for the stakes program. So that was kind of a downer. But I think this year, optimism has rebounded. The Kentucky sale was very good, and the prices were certainly good during the yearlings. And I talked to Mr. Simpson today, and he said that the mix sale is going very well. Before I forget, I'd like to thank Mike and Mike for having me on the podcast. I have a good face for a podcast, not for TV, so this is my medium. (laughs) All three of us, I think Jerry could say pretty much the same thing, but uh, of course last year there was a budget impasse and there was a little bit of uncertainty, but uh, of course that is uh, is, uh, past us by. But the opening day Jerry, of this uh, sale has been uh, very strong. 170 horses, over 78,000 per horse, the average. That's up 41% from last year. That's uh, that's a pretty startling number. It's a good number. It's a little bit apples and oranges because they sold fewer horses. Uh, for the three days of the yearlings, they sold 142 fewer horses. But the, but the gross was actually up despite selling that uh, number of horses less, and that drove the average up 25% over the yearlings for the first three days. It was interesting that the pacing colts were the segment that did the best, even though three of the top four sires were trotting sires. Muscle Hill was number one, but, of course, uh, some beach what's-his-name, we've seen that once or twice. And then Cantab Hall and the first crop of Chapter 7, all those sires were $60,000 or over for 20 horses or more. So they were the leaders, but Pacing Colt still came out a little bit ahead over Trotting. Jerry, let's talk about some of the individual horses that have gone. I know day one, there was a yearling that sold for over $400,000, went to uh, Melby Garden, uh, Tactor, I believe. It was a, a Muscle Hill year, uh, yearling. Uh, talk about some of the individual horses, uh, some of the specimens that, that you've seen so far this sale. Some of the individual ones, uh, it's when they're that good, it's sort of all – blends together. They had the $410,000 horse. I believe that was hit number 21. The thing with me is I'm looking at a horse. I don't bring near the expertise that somebody like a Tactor or Burke or any of the other top trainers do. The one thing that is interesting is that Muscle Hills tend to do better on the bigger tracks. And whereas some beach somewhere has shown versatilities, produced horses that can race on a mile, a five-eighths, and a half. I know that most of the major stakes, especially for the trotters, they are on the mile tracks, and that's why the Muscle Hills are going so well. Muscle Hill himself was uh, only being once in his career. He raced mostly on the big tracks. It's interesting to match confirmation with ability. Some horses do better on the big tracks, always be Mickey's, for example, being one, whereas you have a Wiggle a Jiggler who you could throw out of the stall at 3 o'clock in the morning in an ice storm, and he'd find his way home first. 
Now, Jerry, a uh, quick question. Has, has there been any real surprises? I know sometimes, you know, maybe you'll get uh, a little bit more value for certain horses or some horses maybe uh, somebody paid a little bit too much for. Well, I'm certainly not going to answer the latter question because my nose is very <laughs> big and I don't want to see it broken. Everybody gets values. It's it's Handicappers know whether they have value when they make their bet or pretty close to it. Yearling buyers are more like long-term market buyers. They have, what, 18 months before they begin to get an inkling of what they have. I mean, if you, if you use the same evaluative process, it's just a different one. I am not – I. Mike will vouch that I can't even predict a race three days ahead of time. Mike B, three races ahead of time at Chester. So for 18 months, I take my hats off to the yearling buyers. I hope every one of them got a bargain somehow. You're visiting live with Jerry Connors. Uh, Jerry, the mood uh, in Harrisburg. And, uh, you know, listen, racing, even though the, it's slot infused and the purses uh, seem to be good right now, I think there's a – a common uh, thought amongst the racing world that, uh, you know, that, that racing could be uh, on thin ice if it uh, doesn't do something to support itself. What is the mood uh, currently at the Harrisburg sale from uh, your opinion amongst the horsemen? I think the mood is reflectively optimistic. I know in Pennsylvania, because I was a director of the Sire Stakes for 12 years, we did a good job in keeping the focus on the agricultural aspect of horse racing, and that's why we could get a percentage of the extra gaming money in the slots and then the table games when they came in. I talked to some representatives from New York today, and they focus on the same way. And I'm sure that the major jurisdictions play that up among the legislators because they are the ones that ultimately hold the fate in the hands that what they say, the casino operators who operate most of the racetracks will continue to have racing. If it be, if it is a necessary part and if it's a necessary part to keep the state's economy going, then the legislators will dictate that as long as that happens Racing is in good shape. If it is left to its own devices, well, suppose you owned a mom-and-pop store and then they plunked a Walmart right in the middle, literally in the middle of your store. How do you think you're going to do? So right. it's all fair for people that we were there 40-odd years before the slots came along. We showed the integrity of gaming. We showed that it could be done on an honest, competitive, and enjoyable basis. Times change, moods change. If we didn't learn that Tuesday night into Wednesday morning, then we're never going to learn it. And you have to go with the tides. But there's still a segment of the population that enjoys the fun of harness racing, that enjoys handicapping, and it deserves to be supported. It deserves to be followed. And that's the way things are right now. And I think horsemen are thinking that it looks like, and they'll make their best, best effort to keep that going. Jerry, before we let you go, let me let me pick your brain for one thing, and this may actually, this may be a pretty stupid question, but I'm going to go ahead and fire away anyway, <laughs> just, be, just because 
just because of the guy's background. Now, Tuesday night, headed into Wednesday morning, uh, and I don't know if you may have heard or not, but uh, we've had one of the biggest political upsets in probably the history of this or any other nation uh, when uh, Donald Trump won the presidency. And and he's got a casino background. I mean, he's owned casinos in Atlantic City. He's owned casinos all over the place. Do you ever at a time in his four-year presidency, if, granted if he makes the four years, do you feel that that could possibly in any way, shape, or form have an effect on harness racing and horse racing's relationship with casinos in any state? time I've thought about it, and my immediate reaction is no, because he's going to have a heck of a lot of other national and international things in front of them. I'll say in full disclosure that when I talk about Tuesday night into Wednesday morning, I personally put a U between the O and the R in morning. So I go into it a little biased. But I really don't, I think he's going to have so much more on his plate. I don't think that'll get to the federal level. I don't think, I think that it'll be a state to state issue. He's going to have to swing states. He's going to have to be, He's going to have to become a politician if he's going to survive. And some of the people he's talking about bringing on, Mr. Gingrich and like that, they came up with, the, in 1990, the contract on, I mean, contract for America, with America. And these guys will learn lessons about how to deal with things and prioritize. And I think... That it's not. I mean, Trump knows. Trump knows casinos. I don't think he knows them in depth. I think he has a business top line mentality, but I think he leaves a lot of the day to day to his people. You could see that on the debates where he didn't comment with as much detail as as Mrs. Clinton did. So to answer your question, I don't think it's going to be a problem, which might be the first wrong prediction of this new era, but and I'll just join the pollsters. Well, I'll tell you what, he is a wild card, and I guess you'll never know, uh, or we'll, hopefully, hopefully we'll never know. Hopefully he'll, uh, you know, stick uh, to business up there on the federal level the next four years. Jerry, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Congratulations on your Hall of Fame nomination. Definitely much, much deserved, Jerry. Much, much deserved. I have one. There's one more thing that that you should know. See if you get this from Peter Colossi. Mr. George F., who I met, and is a good fellow, as is Kenny Marshall, was Kenny Marshall, both gentlemen. George F. called thoroughbreds. And standard brands, he called great champions on both sports. But what's one thing that he did not call? Greyhounds? No. And Mike, Mike B. will know what I mean right away. He never called the three-quarter time in a harness oh, race. You're talking about during the race. Okay, you're talking about during the race. That's Okay. Well, I, never, I never noticed that, to be honest with you. Well, you know why. What's his slogan? What's his slogan? Here they come spinning out of the turn. And what's it? Uh, what's at the top of the stretch as they spin out of the turn at Hawthorne? The three-quarter pole. <laughs> exactly. Jerry, that's why we, Jerry, that's why we brought you on the show because. 
That's a very astute observation, and I've been listening to Phil George F. for many, many years, and I never noticed that, my friend. I bet you if you go back and pick 200 harness races, you won't find 10 where he gives the three-quarter time because he's using his trademark. But then again, he's more, he's more intent on telling the story to fans. The time they can always look up afterwards, but it's just a quirk. It's a little piece of trivia from Mr. George F. All right. Jerry, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. Okay, anytime. Thank you very much. All right. That was uh, Jerry Connors joining us live on the program. Uh, and uh, we've got Gabe Pruitt on deck coming up. It's our ongoing series with Pompano Park. So still lots to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jim Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at EmbroideryUNL.com. That's EmbroideryUNL.com. Embroidery Unlimited. Ever dream of owning your own racehorse? How would you like to get in the winner's circle? With the number one harness racing partnership in the U.S., VIP State. There's nothing like the thrill of your horse coming down the stretch. To find out more, call VIP Stable at 877-VIP-WIN-1 or visit us on the web at www.vipstable.com. Turning horse racing fans into racehorse owners. Be a winner. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And we're joined now by the biggest Cubs fan I know, Gabe Pruitt. <laughs> wow, that's uh, quite the uh, incorrect, uh, inaccurate introduction, but uh, I will accept it nonetheless. Well, Gabe, for, listen, it has been a heck of a week at Pompano Park. And really, there's only two words to describe the past week at Pompano Park, and it's Prairie Sweetheart. How about the big mile that she put in on uh, uh, the other night? Prairie Sweetheart was um, just sensational for that matter and, and really drew clear of the field. Um, you would have thought the fractions were much uh, more than they were. She opened up a double-digit lead, uh, lead at the uh, half, and the half mile was only in uh, 58 seconds. So, obviously, she's going to get a bit of a subpar group here with the uh, Florida bred uh, Phillies, but she's just in a league of her own. She was wrapped up in a uh, 12-and-a-half winner. Paced in 54 and one. Of course, she's 13 for 13 now, and um, she paid 210. That may have been an overlay in that spot. Well, Gabe, listen, this this might be the first race that I've seen. Every other horse is 99 to one, and she was one nine. You know, it's almost incredible. I'm sure it's happened before. I have never seen bridge jumpers jump all over a wind pole, and uh, you know, uh, we we uh, canceled show wagering early in the week. Uh, then we got uh, word that Mike Bozich was going to fire some heavy artillery into the place pool, so we canceled <laughs> that late as well. So we only offered win wagering. And um, actually, the total pool was like 48000 and change, and literally like 47000 uh, and some odd dollars was wagered on Prairie Sweetheart. So uh, we got our fair share of uh, bridge jumping action. And 
the second choice guys was a hundred and eight to one. Wow. Unreal. Well, listen, Mike Bozich couldn't get his place bed in fast enough, or his uh, his uh, show bed for that matter. Uh, Gabe, let's talk a little bit more real quick about the uh, Philly and Mare Open that was contested the other day as well. Godiva Sealster uh, uh, just getting up over Gold Star Rocket and what was one of the more exciting races of the week. And I actually went back and watched this race. How good of a mile did uh, Gold Star Rocket put in? Well, she put in a nice mile there, actually. Uh, you know, I like her to be second in that spot. I thought Godiva Silter just uh, towered above. Uh, that was her fifth consecutive win since arriving back here in South Florida. She loves this track. She's missed one check since she's been two years old. She's now six. She's a very consistent mare. She raced uh, all summer up at the uh, top ranks there at uh, Saratoga, and uh, she's been at the uh, top of the class down here for the last couple of seasons, uh, in fact. But, again, it was her fifth in a row, but she didn't look maybe as good as what we had seen. She'd been an open-length winner, uh, her first four starts here, against essentially the same field. The other night, uh, you know, Gold Star Rocket really put her to the test. The Gold Star Rocket had a uh, pocket trip uh, driven by Kevin Wallace, so everything worked out perfect for her. But uh, typically, Godiva Silster can uh, shake loose there in the final 16th or so. But the other night, uh, very close. Uh, but she did find a way to get it done once more, uh, and it was – really going to sound like a broken record here because we had repeat winners in all of the uh, top classes. Boley came back to uh, win handily in the uh, Pentrot. And then, of course, Pinocchio won his fourth consecutive at the uh, open pace. Uh, all three of those horses are actually out of uh, this week's action, so we are going to see some fresh faces in the winner's circle uh, at the top-level overnight company. Now, Gabe, let's talk uh, real quick about the Open 1 on Sunday. Uh, it goes as race number two for a purse of $10,000. Now, granted, it's only a field of five, but it is a looks like a very competitive field based on the morning line. And you've got two horses in this excuse me, two horses in this field that have won six races. One has won five, but it has a mark of 50 and four. This looks like a uh, pretty exciting race. You know, it should be um, uh, actually uh, seeing for me George is the uh, favorite there on the inside uh, He's been pretty handy uh, here, and he's been keeping close with Pinocchio. I thought No Bad Dreams has been very sharp since he's arrived back in town. Uh, and the horse that uh, really stepped up the other night and went against Open 2 Company, but was very impressive, was uh, Here Comes William. Uh, got off a nice 6-1 to one mutual in there and uh, really opened up uh, in one in hand. Went down to the half in uh, 54th and change and just put in an impressive effort. Uh, so he's very sharp right now. So even though it's only a five-horse field, uh, it should be a very competitive event. Now, Gabe, you guys added um, you guys added an extra day. You guys are now racing three days a week. Is that correct? That's correct. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, we actually add Wednesdays, uh, Thanksgiving week. The, the uh, Wednesday before Thanksgiving, we pick up Wednesdays as well. All right. Well, that sounds like uh, a fantastic schedule for South Florida because you're not, you know, of course you're racing on Saturday, but you get your Sundays. You know, you're probably hanging out by the beach on Sunday afternoon. Well, you know, we got a little NFL action on Sunday afternoon, so uh, every now and then I like to, uh, you know, take take into that, uh, taking those games for entertainment purposes only, of course. So, uh, you know, but there's plenty of time to make it to the beach as well. Game, but well, we, go ahead, Mike. Now, you're gonna look at you. You jump right in. I love it. Uh, the now, real quick, Gabe, I, I, and you know, I, I got to tell all of our listeners, we've been talking briefly about election stuff. We we took the election and kind of twisted it into, you know, do you think it could affect harness racing with Trump coming from a casino background? Do you – now, we're going to – we asked Jerry Connors this question. We're going to ask you, do you think that 
harness racing or horse racing for that matter could end up on a federal level in front of him in front of a casino operator no i do not foresee anything like that happening i guess uh, stranger things have happened before but um i don't see anything on the uh, federal level uh getting involved um hopefully we can find a way to make uh harness racing great again <laughs> well how much listen gabe before we let you go i want you to be honest how much money did you make on the election I actually did not make any money on the election. Um, I'm not at liberty to say how I lost, but I, I lost money on the election. I must give you credit, though, Mike, because one thing that I did see come from you quite early and often, and I will have to admit, I thought you may be uh, a little off base here, but you <laughs> predicted a Trump victory in uh, Michigan where he was heavily trailing in the uh, polls, and uh, I must tip my cap to you as you were uh, spot on. Well, you know, listen, and this was my uh, reasoning for that. First of all, it's an industry, it's an industry-based state, and he's that was right up his alley with trade deals. Second of all, Bernie Sanders upset Hillary in the same kind of uh, situation. He was trailing in the polls, never led in the poll, never got within six, seven, or eight percentage points in the polls. So I knew that they were looking for a reason to uh, to vote against him, and uh, you know, so there you go. And, and uh, how much completely do I- on a not to get completely on a tangent about it, but it, I'm sure you guys watched uh, closely on the election as results were rolling in. It was quite the uh, ride because, as you guys know, it was 6, 7 o'clock, and they had almost uh, started to write this thing off for Hillary. All the exit polls were very positive for her, and the live odds, in fact, sent her to like a, a minus 1,500 favorite at like 7 o'clock. And if you go back and look at the charts, I mean, she literally started to drop uh, – as quickly as uh, could be, and uh, wasn't, uh, but an hour and a half later or so, where Trump actually tilted as the favorite. Now, now I know, and I know we have Pete Galassi on hold, but I did want to mention one thing to you guys, and this is something that's really very interesting. And I'm not going to say the online site that it was, but like you, like yourself, Gabe, uh, Hillary was a, a strict favorite on this site. I mean, it might have been minus fifteen hundred, maybe a little more, um, and then all of the sudden. And it was it was all of a sudden down to minus a thousand, then minus eight hundred, and I can't remember what time of night it was, maybe around eight eight thirty nine o'clock. All of the sudden, she went from minus six or seven hundred to plus one hundred, and this was before the media actually grasped and started reporting that she was starting to lose in some of these swing states. This was well before Florida came in or 50% of the vote was in. It was unbelievable. And when that happened, when that happened, I turned to my dad and I said, Hillary Clinton's not the next president of the United States. They knew well before the media did. Well, that's uh, a good observation on your part. And I think anywhere uh, I've always been a firm believer of that. So when it comes to any type of prop bet, I'll watch the uh, odds on it a lot more so than, uh, what the media has to say, because they are always on the uh, on the edge, it seems, which um, they were actually had Hillary a big favorite in most of those swing states for most of the day. So obviously they realized they're really quick that things weren't uh, going to work out. And uh, it's amazing how every poll in almost every swing state was off. It wasn't just uh, missing one or two states, but um, they, they missed the ball on this one. All right. Well, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. And uh, we'll talk to you next week, my friend. My pleasure. Thanks, guys.
All right, that was game proof. We've got a very special guest coming up uh, next, the track announcer at Hawthorne Racecourse, Pete Colossi. We're going to talk about the legendary Phil George F., who passed away just a few short days ago. Plus, we have a big announcement coming up at the other side of that. We've got a very special guest. We have Ed O'Connor from the VIP Stables. Plus, we have to go around the horn. So the show's just getting started. Don't go anywhere. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. Friends of Maryland Standard Bread is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. here by Southern Flash, and still that trailer back there is due to pleasure. Here they come, spinning out of the turn. It's Cohen's Top Cat who's got the lead by about four. Here they come, spinning out of the turn. Secretariat now by five lengths. Mike Allen second, Ironade a third. They're coming to the eighth hole. Secretariat by five lengths. They pass the eighth hole of the mile, 135. Secretariat all by himself. America's super horse. Juan Cascada, 50 yards to come, Secretariat by 7, Secretariat 8 lengths, and Mike Gillen, our native in But now moving up on the outside, here comes Winback Courage like Willoway. Here they come spinning out of the turn. Winback Courage on the outside moves up. Majinski, secret, John Henry, by Gangbusters, followed by Cotter Del Sol. Down the stretch at the eighth ball, John Henry, like a bullet. John Henry now taking command. Chasing in second by three. Any showtime cutting into the margin third. Five lanes back to Stephanie fourth. Trailing the field is the top of the stretch. Proud kitten. Your leader still is Jazzy Kathy. Aeropagus now coming to the leader in second. Here they come spinning out of the turn.
Track announcers across the country paid their respects to one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time, Phil George F., the longtime voice of Chicago racing, both harness and thoroughbred, who passed away at the age of 85 just a couple of days ago. And right now we're bringing in the voice of Hawthorne Racecourse, Peter Galassi. And, uh, Pete, I have to tell you, and I grew up listening to Phil uh, – an unbelievable staple in not only thoroughbred racing, but harness racing. And I know you had a a pretty close relationship with him. One of the people that was instrumental in getting your career off the ground. Pete, talk a little bit about the relationship that you had with Phil. Well, it's true, Mike. He helped me get started back in the early seventies. I went to him for some advice. He told me, try and get experience and then started doing the County fairs at Illinois in the, mid to late 70s, and then started Paramutual announcing around uh, 1979. So he actually helped me uh, not get arrested one night at Balmoral Park. I was about 1974, (laughs) 1975. I brought a tape recorder to the track, and this was before OTBs and computer betting, and I was recording races into a microphone, and the security arrested me thinking that I was from a book joint or something like that. I said, no, I'm just hoping to be an announcer someday. And if you call Phil George F, he'll vouch for me. And sure enough, Phil vouched for me. And we've stayed friends. I talked to him a few times every year, talked to him in the spring and the fall when we're racing here at Hawthorne. And uh, I knew last spring how, how bad and how much pain he was in because of his back problems. And uh, then I heard the uh, on the news on Tuesday that he had passed away on Monday. 35 years uh, as a race caller, over 95,000 races. Uh, Back in 1988, he actually made the Guinness Book of uh, World Records for the number of races called. And uh, we heard in a little bit of a montage uh, just a couple of his great calls, including that uh, great, in my opinion, his greatest race call ever, the John Henry race call, Uh, although Phil Phil never had a bad race call. Out of all of the race calls, uh, Pete, that you heard uh, Phil George F. call, what was your favorite? Well, personally, I was at Arlington when Secretariat raced there in 1973, so I got to see Secretariat run that Saturday afternoon. and uh, So that that's one of my favorite, but there's just too many to mention. I would imagine anyone I had a wager on, and he called the winner. <laughs> that's one of my favorites. <laughs> Pete, uh, we uh, you, you can go up and down the line. There's there's thousands of calls that were spectacular. Certainly, there uh, in your little bit of a tribute there that you did in the first race uh, at Hawthorne yesterday. They were coming to the top of the stretch, and you said, "Here they come, spinning out of the turn." And then there was silence uh, for that long stretch drive at Hawthorne. Tell us how much of an emotional moment that was to you being you're standing in the same exact booth that Phil George F occupied for gosh, a long, long time. Yeah. I was, I was more emotional when I was talking to his son on Tuesday than I was yesterday. The problem yesterday, I had to remember to do it, you know, because there was so much on my mind yesterday and uh, I thought the only fitting and I, and Phil, I had always told Phil, I said, if I'm still announcing, if I'm still around announcing when you pass away, I'm I'm using your phrase. I've never announcers use other people's phrases throughout the years. I've never used that phrase in my entire career in 37 years announcing. And uh and he said go ahead because I'm not going to be around to hear it. He didn't really care. Uh he jokingly said, but I thought the fitting way would be just to do it, let the let it go silent because as you know, 
we we lost the great announcer. Absolutely. Speaking with Peter Galassi, the uh, track announcer at Hawthorne Racecourse. Now, Pete, what are some of the things, knowing Phil on a personal level, I know he was an author, what are some of the things maybe that people listening, racing fans listening, uh, that knew him as a race caller that should know about him on a personal level? He was very personal. Every, I mean, I, I was out with him a few nights. We used to do these horse racing parties, and I, I would help him out with those in we would be out on the town, and everybody knew him. I mean, just absolutely. If I correlate the popularity of Harry Carey the same way. Every every place you went, somebody came up to Phil. Oh, yeah, I didn't talk to him, and Phil was kind as ever. He always had a kind word to everybody. Anybody who wanted to talk or sign autographs, he always had the time. And uh, th- that's what struck me most impressively about Phil. In your opinion, what made Phil George F. great? Well, not only his accuracy, but his enthusiasm. And, you know, there's always that fine line. Some announcers think that they're the show. And Phil may have thought that in some cases, but Phil always taught me or always told me, you got to remember, people are betting a lot of money on these races, and you've got to be accurate. You can throw some humor here and there. Phil never threw much humor into his race calls. And uh, his accuracy, and he could, he could always tell he had an ability to always find the winner making a big move somewhere around the last turn. Certainly. Visiting live with Pete Galassi, the track announcer of uh, Hawthorne Racecourse. I was talking about the great Phil George F. that passed away just a couple of days ago. And, and just looking at these statistics, especially the number of races, 95,000 races, uh, 35 years race calling, both harness and thoroughbred and pete that's something that you do as well you've uh, throughout the years called uh, both harness and both thoroughbred and that versatility to do that for such a long time i think is one of the things that made phil fantastic yes exactly so and that, and that's always fun to get the change of the sports and people you know people forget how many harness races he called i mean he used to call thoroughbreds in the afternoon drive out to balmoral and call harness at night right i mean he's called every track in illinois i'm not sure if he called fairmont park but I know he's called all the tracks up here, Sportsman's, when it was open. He always did the thoroughbreds there, Maywood Park, Arlington Park. I remember uh, I was still breaking into the business when Arlington Park was racing harness racing back in the 70s. So even called harness racing at Arlington Park. Well, Pete, we certainly appreciate you joining us and uh, spending some time with us to pay tribute to uh, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, track announcers of all time. And, and Pete, I have to ask you, uh, getting off on a little bit of a side note, how are you feeling? I can't complain. I got I, I a scan a couple of weeks ago, got a clean scan. I haven't gotten my childhood immunization shots yet, so my uh, immune system is still working its way up. Good. But uh, I come to work every day, and I just wear a mask whenever I'm in public. I still do that. I can't afford to somebody sneeze on me or catch a germ here or there. So, but, but thanks for asking, Mike, and once again, I appreciate you filling in. But I can't complain. I'm doing really well. Well, that's fantastic. Well, we certainly appreciate you joining us, Pete, and do me a favor. Keep Mr. Rushman away from tall buildings. I know he's not the biggest Trump supporter, and that had to be a big surprise when uh, Donald Trump crossed the line first on Tuesday. So please keep an eye on him. But he's one of the biggest Cup fans in the, in the building, so. That evened it out, out. <laughs> All those Cup fans are still on a high from winning the World Series, so I don't think they're concerned about the election yet. Maybe after the first of the year when he gets sworn in. That's right. It's it's all Cubs. Who cares about who's going to freaking uh, run the country? Pete, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Thank you for taking time out. 
Anytime, Mike. Take care. All right. That was uh, the one, the only Peter Galassi, the longtime track announcer of uh, Hawthorne Racecourse. And Mike, I got to tell you, I had a chance to stand in that booth and a chance to fill in for Pete over the winter time at Hawthorne Racecourse. And you get chills. I mean, knowing that, you know, you're first of all, you're you're filling in for a legend like Pete Galassi. And second of all, that before Pete was there, a legend was there by the name of Phil George F. And you talk about just a hollowed, hollowed grounds to be standing in. But I'll tell you what, it sent chills up my chills up my spine. No, definitely. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's a shame, you know, some of these announcers that we, you know, me and you have really looked up to uh, are slowly, you know, passing away and retiring. And, you know, there, those are some very big shoes to fill. And I, I don't think you're going to beat the race callers from the seventies uh, and eighties. Certainly not. Well, when we come back, it's time. We've got a huge announcement. We're not going to keep you in suspense. You're not going to have to wait no longer. Well, that, you might have to wait a about another minute or two because we do have to pay some bills and get to a timeout. But when we come back, we have got a big announcement on Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. We're back in just a moment. Hello, this is Kayla Strah, and I'm here to tell you all about BetAmerica.com. It is the fastest growing legal, safe, and secure website to place all your bets on horse racing. Bet America covers over 200 racetracks from North America, the UK, and my home country, Australia. New players to Bet America receive a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $300. That's the best sign-up bonus available today. It's time to play the Bet America way. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standardbreds the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jim Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at EmbroideryUNL.com. That's EmbroideryUNL.com. Embroidery Unlimited. We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich along with Mike Carter. And Mike, without further ado, and uh, I, don't, I do not have a drum roll sound effect. I, I don't know what happened to it. It was in our uh, list of toys in the audio clip section. But I do not have it. But nonetheless, this is a huge announcement. Mike, are you there? Yeah, we're ready to go. Um, it's involving our uh, Iron Horse of the Year Award, Mike, and uh, – Listen, what better iron horse than the uh, than the great foil again, huh? 
That's right. The 2016 Iron Horse Award of the Year will be named after the great, one of the greatest racehorses, the richest pacer of all time, foiled again. So foiled again will be on the award for the 2069 horse. So how does it go again? The 2016 foiled again Iron Horse of the Year Award. That has such a great, great ring to it. And uh, right now we're joined by uh, part owner of Foiled Again, John Corey. John, of course, from the JJK Stables. Uh, and John, the great Foiled Again, uh, you know, certainly an Iron Horse and a lot, lot more. Uh, yes, he cer- he certainly is. And uh, we really appreciate uh, uh, this award being named after him. So thank you guys very much. And uh, by the way, it's, it's it's Joe Corey, but that's okay. Joe we'll, Corey, uh, we'll that's what I say, John. Oh, oh. <laughs> and I knew it that's was. Okay, and I knew it was. And I knew it was Joe too. I, I I'm glad I I just got the last name. Uh, I got the last name right, so I'm batting fifty fifty. But Joe, let me tell you, you know, watching this horse throughout the years. Um, you know, and especially the last couple of years. I mean, the older he gets, I mean, just keeps out there uh, fighting on the racetrack. I mean, this is truly an iron horse, and it has to be uh, a pleasure to own uh, own such a horse. Uh, and I'll take you take you back a little bit, ways. Take you back to okay. the early part of his career. When did you uh, realize that you had something special with this great horse? You know, we, we had bought him and we thought he'd be a nice four-year-old to race, uh, you know, at Chester in some opens and things like that. And he just seemed to get better and better. And towards the end of the year, I think he had made uh, a couple hundred thousand dollars, 300000 maybe at the end of his four-year-old year. And we, we finally said, you know, I think we have a real horse here. And, um, you know, Ronnie decided, you know, Ronnie gave him a chance and um, he proved, a, you know, he proved us right. You know, so... Um, his five-year-old years where he really took off and showed that he could go with some of the top horses. I think there was a race. I want to, you know, there's been how many, 280 races or so he's been involved with, but I think there was a race at Chester where I think he raced total truth. And that was a race where I finally said, you know, I think this is, this is a real horse. Um, so, you know, um, could we ever have imagined he'd turn into what he has? No, not by any means. I don't think anybody could have. So when people ask me about him, I just I shrug my shoulders and say, you know, we're just we're, we're blessed to have gotten the horse that we did, and um, he's proved uh, that he could uh, outlast a lot of horses. That's for sure. Now, Joe, he's kind of had a little bit of a rough 2016, but the last few races, he's looked like just like the old foiled again. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to call it a retirement tour because it's not really what it is. It's the tour around the country. He's been to so many racetracks, and I finally got to see the great one up close and personal this year. And it was so it was so fulfilling to me anyway to be able to just walk up to a stall and say, you know what, there's the great foiled again. Uh, what's it like to be around him uh, on a day-to-day basis or when you're around him uh, maybe in the barn? Yeah, unfortunately, I don't get to see him that often. I live in South Florida, but him being most of his time in the New Jersey barn, um, you know, I, people come to see him every day and his caretaker, Sarah, I, I actually just saw her. We're, we were at Dover tonight for the matron stakes. And she says, you know, people still come and they say, you know, can we take our picture or can we feed him a carrot? And, you know, it gives me goosebumps just to think about that and just to be associated with a horse um, like him and his personality that people, you know, they want to be a part of or be around him. And, you know, I, I don't want to call him a celebrity, but in some instances he is. He went up to the Gold Cup and Saucer this year 
and you know they made him feel like he was a rock star, which was so exciting to hear. And you know they had thirty thousand people for that race up there, and the people just made you know the people that were traveling with him, Shannon Murphy from the New Jersey barn, and he said it was like an experience he'd never you know he had never had before. So it's really exciting. It, it really. It really gives you that sense of history and him being a part of it. Certainly. Visiting live with Joe Corey, part owner of uh, of uh, the great foiled again uh, from the JJK stables. Joe, it seems like, um, you know, towards the end, it seems like whenever maybe is a handicap or somebody that's trying to analyze how each and every race is going to go, it seems like a lot of handicappers count him out after maybe a couple of uh, bad races. They, they kind of count him out. And I'll take you back sure. uh, just a little while ago to the race at Batavia, the Kane Memorial, when we saw foiled again with a very improbable move. I mean, over a half-mile racetrack, uh, a big sweeping move. That had to be uh, certainly a thrill to uh, watch foiled again kind of uh, channel his younger self and, and make that improbable sweep. It was an incredible thrill because, you know, at this point we just don't expect it. Um, and we've become so spoiled with the success that he's had and being a part of um, him, you know, surprising us so many times that we, we, we really did become spoiled and just expect it. And for the cane race, for him to do what he did and, you know, he beat, listen, was it a top field of age pacers? Maybe it wasn't the top horses, but, you know, there were some really, really good horses in there. Uh-huh. And yep. for him to be competitive in there and, and beat those kind of horses, it really is special, even at this at this time, you know. So it, it just, every, every time he gets on the track, we, we, you know, we're excited to have him out there. Now, Joe, um, obviously we've talked to trainer Ron Burke, you know, about what the future holds for Foiled again. Uh, what What is the con- general consensus um, with Foiled again? Is it pretty much, you know, as long as he stays healthy, you're just going to keep on trucking with him? Or is there is there a time before his 14-year-old season ends that maybe, you know, uh, it would be time to scale back a little bit? You know, that, that question right there everybody asks, and I'll be honest with you, that's above my pay grade. That's definitely a question for Ronnie. And, um, you know, Ronnie's, Ronnie has a good feel for it, and he'll let us know um, as the other owners when it's time uh, to say he's had enough. And right now, as far as I know, Foiled is healthy, he's happy, he's sound, he feels good. Uh, you know, I talked to some of the folks from the Jersey Barn today, and they said, you know, he's out in the field, he's jumping around, he's, you know, he's acting like a three-year-old out, you know, in the paddock. So um, as long as he's happy and he's sound and Ronnie says we're going to keep going with him, then – you know, that's the plan. And when Ronnie said it's enough, then, you know, it'll be enough. Well, Joe, I got to tell you, the one thing, and I've said this for the last three years, it, it always seems like when the weather turns cold, foiled again, it, that's when he really, really shines is when the uh, when the weather starts to turn. So, listen, I'm hoping that, that I'm, I continue to be right and uh, he's got some uh, some continued success over the next couple of months. Well, we really appreciate that. Thank you. And we appreciate the support from, uh, from you guys, from the industry. And, um, you know, uh, he's in the go on Monday, so we'll see. He's at Dover on Monday. So hopefully he, uh, I'm sure he, he won't embarrass himself. That's for sure. All right, Joe Corey, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Uh, you know, congratulations on having such a great horse. He's been such a treat for uh, harness racing to watch. And I'll tell you, when it gets down to it, we're all fans, and, and uh, he is certainly one of the one of the uh, greatest horses that I have ever seen, uh, whether it's on TV or in person. Joe, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. 
Thank you, guys. We appreciate it. Thanks for all the support. All right. That was uh, Joe Corey, Mike. Joe Corey, the uh, part owner of uh, uh, Foiled again with the JJK Stables. And uh, certainly hats off to him and hats off to all the connections that have, keep, uh, that have uh, you know, had a, a, this fine, fine animal. I mean, there's really not too much that words can say. I mean, you know, we watch his horse week in and week out, and he's still there, and he's still doing it. And, uh, you know, he's a wily veteran out there. And, and that's right. He mentioned a good point about Batavia because, Mike, that wasn't, you know, it wasn't, I mean, the superstar pacers. But I'll tell you what, that field, to make a move like that against that field on a half-mile track, that is still quite an accomplishment for any horse. Right. I completely agree. And, you know, he's just – He's a fantastic looking specimen. I mean, I've had the luxury of just standing in front of him, uh, even for just a couple of minutes. And he's just a fantastic, fantastic looking, uh, looking racehorse. Mike, before we move on to our uh, next topic here, Jeff Scott made a very good point. You have a ton of trouble with these J names. You know what? I'm going to de- treat you like Trump would treat his employees and say you're fired. <laughs> well, listen, listen, Ed, um, you know, I, I... <laughs> yeah, Ed. yeah, hey, listen, Ed. <laughs> I'm terrible. I'm, I'm terrible. I knew Jessica was going to say something, but uh, yeah, I was course, calling for those you know, of you that don't know. That's why she won't come on the show anymore because you keep calling her Jennifer. But you know what? I do have to tell you that I did. I, I went back and listened to the replay of the Breeders' Crown, and I did not call her Jennifer as much as I thought I did. So maybe there's yeah, a little bit of undue bias. You know how the media was treating listen, Trump bad. That's how I think I'm getting treated in this situation. Yeah, unfairly. Right. Listen, you only called her. You you called her Jennifer eleven of twelve times. So that's not every time. So you're good. <laughs> All right. Well, we still have our we still have our VIP segment coming up. Uh, uh, Ed O'Connor is going to be joining us. Uh, plus, we've got, we're going to go around the horn, take a look at some of the TBG action coming up this weekend at the Meadowlands. So, still plenty to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. But in case you've missed it, or in case uh, you're just tuning in, the 2016 Iron Horse of the Ward. Uh, year is now named after the great foiled again. So now it is the 2016 foiled again Iron Horse of the Year Award, and it has a great ring to it. We'll be back after this timeout on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Ever dream of owning your own racehorse? How would you like to get in the winner's circle with the number one harness racing partnership in the U.S. VIP State. There's nothing like the thrill of your horse coming down the stretch. To find out more, call VIP Stable at 877-VIP-WIN-1 or visit us on the web at www.vipstable.com. Turning horse racing fans into racehorse owners. Be a winner. It's our ongoing series, the VIP Stables. We're joined now by VIP's very own Ed O'Connor. Ed, we certainly appreciate you joining us once again today. I am really happy to be here with you, Mike. Thank you. Ed, the two-year-olds thanks are wrapping up. Uh, how did VIP Stables do with uh, two-year-olds this year in 2016? Uh, once again this year, we had a really good year. For the last five or six years, every year we've had a big stakes winner, a sire stakes champion, a grand circuit type winner. And it was the, the case again this year with a uh, horse like give it gas and go and and uh, what's going on winning the matron last week we we had some really nice horses we had some other horses win some smaller things like the kindergarten stakes or some sire stakes but overall you know we go and syndicate a dozen or so 
two-year-olds every single year, and there's about a one-in-four, one-in-five shot. Somebody that buys in with us is going to end up with a major stakes-type horse, and that's the type of odds we really feel good about presenting to folks who are interested in getting into the game. Um, you know, people got to give a gas and go race in the Breeders' Crown. It didn't end up like we wanted it to, but it's still really exciting. Those are the type of opportunities partners get into this game for, and, and we couldn't be happier to be able to bring them along with us. Ed, the year's uh, yearling auctions are also wrapping up. Is it too late for someone uh, to join a VIP stable yearling partnership? No, absolutely not. We put together uh, about 15 horses so far. We're looking at a couple other opportunities with some trainers. But the bottom line is we have a lot of great options left. Uh, We're about halfway sold out on some of the horses that we've bought, but we still have things, uh, horses that are going to be racing in New York, Pennsylvania, Kentucky, Ohio, uh, with some really great trainers, guys like John Bootenchain, Mark Harder, Brian Brown, Tom Fanning. There's a lot of really good opportunities still out there, and and, uh, folks who are interested just need to give us a call. Uh, Our 800 number is 877-VIP-WIN, the number one. Uh, They can email us at info at VIPstable. Just go to our website, VIPstable.com. We're hoping to bring as many people in on these horses this year as possible, and we've really got some great opportunities. Uh, and, and if you just want to indulge me for a second, the yearling auctions have just been unbelievable this year. Lexington was through the roof, and we expected to be able to find some saving opportunities at Harrisburg, and that was even higher. Uh, I think it is a good opportunity for people to look at our industry as growing. You know, when the first day of Harrisburg is up 40-some percent in prices, that's, uh, that's a really good indicator that Harness Racing has got something good going on, and we're really excited. It's a great time to be uh, jumping in right now. Now, we've talked about how to buy into yearlings. How can someone get into a partnership uh, on a racehorse? That's a, a great question, and, and a lot of guys or guys or gals are, are not interested in, in yearlings. It's uh, a proposition where you buy now, and, and you don't have really any idea how you're doing until next summer when they, the horses hit the racetrack and start start going. Uh, a lot of people who are interested in becoming owners go to the racetrack every week or every couple of weeks and would like to see their horses in the go, you know, be able to get to the winner's circle. So getting involved in a horse who's currently racing is the, the best way to go about that. Uh, we put together partnerships throughout the year. You know, Every month or two we're putting together uh, a handful of opportunities for folks to get involved. Um, the best way to do that with VIP Stable is to contact us and get on our mailing list. As we put together racehorse partnerships, they tend to come together really quickly. We let all the folks on our mailing list know about the opportunity, and, and they tend to sell out really quickly. Uh, and a good example of how this might work is you know, we see a horse who's in a claiming race that we think we have a real good opportunity to, to claim and, and put back in a spot that makes good sense. Uh, you know, it may be a couple-day turnaround on a partnership like that. Um, another good example is the Friday's auction, tomorrow's auction of um, tomorrow's auction of horses racing at Harrisburg. You know, we're going to go and we're going to look for some opportunities at uh, prices that make sense to us, and and syndicate those to guys who are on our mailing list. Hopefully, we can come away with two or three nice horses. We've got our eye on a, a couple really high-level ones, as well as some that'll be racing just kind of overnight races. And uh, the, the key is, folks, just to be. Uh, in contact with us, and, and we'll let them know what's going on. 
um, and if they're interested in working with other partnership groups, it's, it's the same kind of thing. Just letting the syndicator know what you're interested in is, is the best way to, to get what you're looking for. Ed, I don't know where the summer went and uh, the spring and the fall, but it looks like we're on the doorstep of winter already, believe it or not. What uh, What's some of the winter plans for uh, v- the VIP stables? Obviously, winter racing is uh, a lot slower, but it's important time of the year for us and probably a lot of other barns, too. Uh, the younger horses end up going to Florida. The yearlings, a lot of the two-year-olds who were going to plan on racing at three, go down and get a little bit of a break and uh, train back, but Winter racing is, is a great opportunity, we think. Uh, Yonkers races pretty much all year long. The Meadowlands will be racing. There's racing in Ohio and a lot of other jurisdictions that have great purses. And, and we're going to be right there going for it. And, and one of the things we really like about winter racing is the owners who have, don't have to go out there and uh, compete in the four-degree weather <laughs> is that the purses are pretty much the same in the wintertime as they are in the summer for overnight races. You know, if we want to race in the, in the open at Yonkers, you know, the, the, the check cash is the same in the winter as the summer, so it's a really good opportunity. And guys who are interested in uh, buying into yearlings, it's, it's a great option for them to have a few horses racing throughout the winter to, to help pay those bills. It's, uh, people get into this because they enjoy it. So having something to watch every week is really fun. That, that's why guys get into it. I know you at uh, Philadelphia are going to be closing down in a little while here and the uh, same at Pocono, but there's still other great racing opportunities out there. And and we'd love to have guys look at us as a good way to, to race all winter. Well, Ed, we certainly appreciate you joining us uh, on this ongoing series of VIP Stables. Once again, uh, and I know we touched on it before, but let's give everybody a final reminder. If anybody needs to get a hold of you guys or is certainly interested in all the great things that you guys have to offer, what's the best way to, uh, what's the best way to reach you? The best way to get us is just go to our website. It's VIPstable.com. You can click on the contact information. You can give us how to call us, email us. We'll call you right back and try to figure out a way to get you involved. And, Mike, I just want to give you a shout-out. I think the, the program has been super over the last couple of weeks. The Breeders' Crown shows and uh, and all the information you give to all your listeners is, is really just something you can't get anywhere else. And I, I personally really enjoyed it, so I just want to thank you on that. Ever dream of owning your own racehorse? How would you like to get in the winner's circle? with the number one harness racing partnership in the U.S., VIP State. There's nothing like the thrill of your horse coming down the stretch. To find out more, call VIP Stable at 877-VIP-WIN-1 or visit us on the web at www.vipstable.com. Turning horse racing fans into racehorse owners. Be a winner. Get a huge boost to your bankroll for all of summer's best racing at Bet America. All new players can double their first deposit up to $300 with Bet America's 100% deposit bonus. That's the biggest sign up bonus in the industry. Sign up today and start playing the Bet America way. Around the horn is the easiest way, the better way, and that is how we will go. Anything more? Are you frightened to go around the horn, Mr. Christian? Are you a coward too, sir? We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Michael Jason Carter. And Michael, we've got a big day Michael coming Jason. up at the. Huh? 
Where's he adjacent from? I have no idea. Anyway, we here oh, we it just, just it, it's day. got a good ring to it. If it got it, if it has a good ring to it, I just roll with it. Oh, okay. Here we go. We've got the, we're going around the horn now. This is the segment where uh, we have a lot of fun. We uh, take a look at uh, some of the races that are going on across the uh, country and across uh, North America, I should say. And right now we're going to focus on the Meadowlands because Mike, the TVGs are coming up, and uh, I guess. It would uh, kind of be negligent of us if we didn't mention the fact, and I actually meant to bring this up in the beginning of the show, but uh, things started uh, going a little bit too fast. But the great wiggle it jiggle it that was going to be in this TVG uh, free-for-all pace uh, was shut down because of uh, a foot. Uh, a little bit of a bruised foot, I believe, if I read that correctly, and a little bit of a sickness. So Wiggly Jigglet is going to take the rest of 2016 off. And, Mike, I'll tell you, if there's a horse that deserves any time off, I think it's uh, Wiggly Jigglet, who is an iron horse in his own right, Mike. Yeah, I completely agree. And it, it, it's disappointing because it really makes this race, Mike, I mean, it, 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 looking at it, it's just it, it's sad. Uh, that's really the only real way to describe it. Um, you know, I mean, everybody is at double-digit figures in the morning line except for Shambhala. Uh, morning line for always be Mickey is one to five. And, Mike, I mean, there's horses and nothing against the horses that are in this field by any means. But horses like Take It Back Terry, um, excuse me for saying this, but I don't think Take It Back Terry has any business, you know, in this field facing this type of, you know, these type of horses. But, you know, what do you, what, you know, there's only a field of seven, and, I mean, what are you going to do? There's no show wagering, so that's a, uh, that's a tough uh, tough prop for me, but what can you do? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, there is place wagering, so maybe you can get something there. But let's take a look at some of these TBG races, Mike. The fourth race is going for $200,000, and uh, these are the Mare Trotters, and you've got some terrific Mare Trotters in here. Hannah Lore Hanover, boy, did she come with her A game in the Breeders' Crown, getting the job done over being a magician. And actually, they get uh, to once again lock horns. This could actually be the rematch that, uh, in my opinion, replaces Always Be Mickey versus uh, uh, Wiggle It Jiggle. It is Hannah Hanover versus Be a Magician, who's making her third start off the layoff. You have to think Be a Magician could take a step forward here and make this a very entertaining race. Yeah, I think two to one on Be a Magician is uh, is a is a decent price. Be a Magician is a uh, was it, we saw Mike at Yonkers back on International Trot Day just how good she was, and I, I, I wouldn't put anything past her. She had a good trip in the Breeders' Crown and just couldn't get to uh, just couldn't get to handle or Hanover. Um, did close home in 28 seconds, but I think Handel or Hanover is going to be the horse to beat here over Be a Magician. The one I was really kind of disappointed uh, with the one's Breeders' Crown uh, race. Came first up and didn't really advance like I liked uh, against that group. I've got to give DeWan a little bit more of a uh, little bit more of a chance here. Well, certainly, and we talked about on Breeders' Crown Night. The problem with DeWan is that uh, he simply did, or she simply didn't have races to to race in because there wasn't a whole lot filling for her at the time. And and uh, you know, she, racing opportunities. I mean, she only has four starts this year. So this is actually going to be one of the rare opportunities where she doesn't have such a gap in between her uh, dates as far as racing is concerned. So, yeah, maybe D1 takes a step forward and uh, could play the upsetter here at 6-1. to one. Moving right along, Mike, uh, the sixth race, and that's the race 
that we just talked about, the TBG free-for-all final, going for a purse of $400,000. And, uh, hey, you know what? Let's not sugarcoat this thing. This is the Always Be Mickey show. This is uh, his to win or lose. Uh, obviously, the expected matchup with him and Wiggle It Jiggle It did not materialize. But, uh, you know, Shambhala is in this race. Shambhala is a very nice horse, uh, finished a good third. But, uh, boy, you just have to think that this is, uh, this is the Always Be Mickey show here today, tonight. I should say yeah, Saturday yeah. night. Yeah. Well, listen, you got to think this is going to be the Always Be Mickey show. I got to think that Always Be Mickey, um, it's the final race of his career and before he uh, retires. And I think Always Be Mickey is a, is a strong, strong favorite here. I, I don't see anybody beating him in this field. It's just not a lackluster field, Mike, but it's definitely, uh, it's he's a step above the rest of these horses by far. The TBG final mares is in race number eight. They're going for a purse of $200,000. The mares always very entertaining and used to be a wide open division, Mike, until Lady Shadow showed up, and she has been pretty dominant in this division here in 2016. She's won 11 of 19. She's won over $750,000 this year alone. She walked the walk again in the Breeders' Crown, did not disappoint with that comfortable two-and-a-quarter length win, and here she is against pretty much the same horses. Uh, once again, I don't know if she's as much of a lock as always be Mickey, but she certainly deserves the forty-five, the four to five morning line. Yeah, definitely. I think Lady Shadow is, a, is another horse to beat. If you go back and watch the Breeders' Crown, I, I really, really liked how she handled Sassy Hanover, and just never there was never an anxious moment. I think Yannick Jingra and Lady Shadow are the horses to beat here, Mike. TBG Free for All Trots coming up at race 10, and they've got a purse of $400,000, and this should be a pretty good race. You know, Resolve... Uh, who finished uh, second to Flanagan Memory last time out, I think is uh, certainly a deserving favorite in here. Flanagan Memory, not in this particular race, but uh, Resolve is uh, certainly the favorite here. But there are a couple of nice horses, obviously bar hopping, coming off of uh, the win against the likes of Dason and Sutton in the uh, Erskine down at the Hoosier Park. He's won three in a row. He was a Breeders' Crown champion at his Breeders' Crown moment in 151 and four for driver Tim Tietrick. And you've got some others. Abrogado is never to be counted out. J.O. Cruz obviously isn't the sharpest right now, but he's never to be counted out. What say you about uh, this race? And also, by the way, Crazy Wow is first-time Lasix. Maybe that plays a part. You know, that's always a big angle for me is first-time Lasix, but the fact that Jimmy Tactor has enough confidence in bar hopping to put him against the older horses says a lot about what he thinks about bar hopping. Uh, bar hopping beat a very good field of trotters in the Breeders' Crown Final. One is elimination um, against kind of a, uh, I don't want to call it a uh, a a weak field, but he definitely was in the weaker of the two eliminations, but I'll tell you what, he showed up against Southwind Frank, Double uh, L Indy, and Marion Marauder last time, or two starts back. Um, I was really, really impressed with his start in the Erskine, but Mike, I got to think that this race is going to go in 51, 50, 51. He's going to have to not, probably knock off about a second to a second and a half in this start, and he showed in the Breeders' Crown that he could do that, so I'm going to go with bar hopping and a little bit of an upset. I think uh, Resolve's going to have his work cut out for him. Okay, Mike, that was our Around the Horn segment, and I know that was a little bit shortened because there's really not uh, too much action. There's some action going up at uh, Woodbine. Uh, they've got uh, some eliminations, I believe. But uh, real quick before we get out of here, uh, there is some action at Dover Downs tonight. The matron stinks, and let's give some shout-outs. First of all, Montreal Teague. And uh, trainer Kyde Francis swept the early daily double in the Delaware Standard Bread Breeders Fund with uh, Henry the Dragon. Uh, that's a good old custard, the dragon, Mike. That's a the Teague uh, 
uh, family tree, 152 and three. And of course, Mr. Wiggles, uh, two year old, stay in your place, one in 153 and four. Those are Delaware, Stan- uh, Delaware Standard Bread Breeders Fund races. The matrons thanks Caprice Hill for trainer Tony Alanya. Looked fantastic. I went by three lengths, uh, taking the $149,000 matron stinks for three-year-old Philly Trotters over uh, all the time. Mike, that was actually a pretty good field. Uh, we talked about uh, who's the horse. Oh, P- Pure Country win-, win. We'll talk about that in a minute. Dason was the winner for trainer Ron Burke in the uh, three-year-old Colton Gelding Trot. That went in 153 over Double L Lindy in Lagerfeld. Sutton was in there. Weightlifter came. Love matters. Milligan School. Some pretty good horses there. Pure Country, of course, is a winner. Uh, of course is a winner, Mike, because she usually does get the job done. Uh, one-to-one, she won by two lengths. And uh, let's see. Boston Red Rocks was able to uh, get the job done of the three-year-old Colt Pace, uh, winning by a couple of lengths over Western Fame and Check Six. Racing Hill uh, finished fourth in that race, Mike. So the Breeders' Crown champion uh, left for a seat. Looked like he got shuffled. Didn't have a chance to see the race, but finished fourth there for uh, Tony Alanya. And uh, that's pretty much about it. Uh, a couple of side notes, uh, Mike, a couple of milestone updates the Hall of Famer, Dave Miller. Mike, can you believe this? The Buckeye is three wins away from career win 12,000. Wow, nice. And the captain, Corey Callahan, I believe, is 11 wins away from career win 5,000. So just uh, some of the upcoming milestones that you might want to watch at for a racetrack near you. Well, Mike, this has been uh, a world show, uh, like a whirlwind show, world away, uh, to uh, quote are the great Phil George F. Special thanks to all of our guests, uh, Peter Galassi, Joe Corey, not John Corey, Joe Corey, joining <laughs> us. Of course, if you just missed it, the Iron Horse of the Award uh, of the Year will now be named after the great foiled again. Of course, the Hall of Famer, Jerry Connors, Gabe Pruitt, uh, Ed O'Connor. We had a uh, jam-packed show. Mike, anything else? No, man, I think that's it. It's been a lot of fun, and uh Listen, we'll see everybody back here next week at 7 o'clock. Don't forget, next Wednesday or next Thursday, we'll announce the nominees, Mike Bozich, for the 2016 Post Time with Mike and Mike Awards. Uh, that's coming up on next Thursday's show. So uh, stay tuned for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, get your nominations in, by the way. We have been flooded with nominations. So it's going to take us, Mike, it might take us a couple of months to get through all the nominations that we've got. But uh, make sure you get your nominations in. All you have to do is go to our website, Post Time with Mike and Mike. The link is right there. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. For Mike Carter and all of our sponsors, this is Mike Bozich. And we'll see you next week with a post time of 7 o'clock. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.